It doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M. Just put your paws off because you were born this way, baby. You are listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your host, Andy Otto, Executive Director of Twin Cities Pride. I want to welcome you to the show where we talk about all things Twin Cities Pride, current LGBTQIA plus topics, and living our most authentic queer life here in Minnesota. We're going to kick off our very first show talking about one of my least favorite topics, me. But I'm willing to look past that because we are going to talk about one of my absolute favorite topics, the Twin Cities Pride Organization, who just last year celebrated 50 years of being out and proud in Minnesota. Before we get into all of that, I need to take a second to introduce my an amazing human, Rena Heisel, who is my co-producer of this show, but also happens to be my incredibly talented assistant as well. And on top of that friend, family. I mean, we've been together for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Ally, Wrangler. Wrangler is my favorite. Parent, mm-hmm. author. Yes. I mean, you take on all those things. Um, I think that covers everything well, you do. Yeah. That is a pretty good summary. Uh, I have always said that no two days working for the Twin Cities Pride organization are ever the same because one day we could be planning something festival related and the next day we are painting our new office. Yes. It, I don't I don't think you knew that when you first no, started. Yeah. I mean no. I warned you. I mean we are now sitting in a radio studio. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was also not on in the initial job description, but this dovetails into your whole vision of growing the organization. Yeah. And making sure that T C Pride is not just a festival in June anymore. It can't be. It can't be that anymore. No. But yeah. It's gotta be it's gotta be three hundred and sixty five days a year, I think. That's the important part. Um, but yeah, so, you know, some of the things as we kind of thought about this show and and what we were going to do and how we were going to accomplish it, you know, we wanted to make sure that the community here in Minnesota is keeping in the know of what's going on in the community and, and what events are coming up and what things we need to call to action on. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we're hitting those important topics and, mm-hmm. and talking about things that are probably going to be a little uncomfortable, to be honest. I mean, right? we have, yeah. I mean, there are some things in our community that, yeah, some people don't really want to talk about that I think we need to. I think that you are exactly correct. And I think that one of your goals of education and outreach beyond just having our festival is um, it's so important right now. And it's these conversations that we have in the office, talking to even some of our our sponsors about healthcare in the community or education mm-hmm. in the community, job resources for the community. We have these amazing resources and discussions in our office, but and we have our socials. So don't forget to follow us on uh, Twin Cities Pride. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all those wonderful things. But now with this program, mm-hmm. we'll be able to let everybody kind of hear our conversations that we have <laughs> where we're talking about the resources because there's just so much information to get out there and it's going to be so wonderful to have this as another avenue to get this information out to the people because as Andy's assistant, I can tell you, uh, Andy is a wealth of information and so this is wonderful. Now we'll be able to get it out to everybody. Well, I don't know about wealth of information but you all <laughs> definitely um, keep me grounded and and I like to uh, – 
to expand the horizons just a little bit and push the envelope just a little bit. So, I mean, me never. I did want a Ferris wheel and you all said no. So, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's that. Maybe one of these days, but Ferris wheel, not quite. (laughs) Not quite yet. We'll stick with the, uh, the unicorn Bucking Bronco? Is it a Bronco if it's yeah, a unicorn? I, I don't well, know. you know, we'll see. That'll yeah. be at the festival this year, <laughs> pending insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be good. But the other thing we want to kind of talk about is is how can you help? I mean, there's there's so much that people, I think, don't know about Twin Cities Pride and about all the things LGBTQIA in the community and how do you help? Sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. So hopefully we can answer some of those questions on this show and and make sure that we are um, activating ourselves together and, and creating a, an environment where we're making progress. And um, I get to lean on you as an ally of the community to help mm-hmm. kind of shape that side of things as well. So um, I think it's going to be really good. Yes. Yeah. I think that is a, a very important goal of this program as well is educating the ally community, what it takes to be a good ally, how you can be a good ally. Um, different steps you can take month to month. You yeah. Know, what What are the community's needs, which are always changing? Where do we need to show up? What do we need to say? What's the proper way to say it? All of these <laughs> yes. things. That, um, that's the intimidating part of, of being an ally to the LGBTQ community is, is what happens when I don't say something correctly. But there's an easy fix to that. We'll talk about that. We will. We will. Yeah. And that is why I think you're the perfect host for this as well, because you are a great educator in that arena of how – how we can answer questions and keep the conversation moving. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you being the willingness to, you know, come in. This wasn't exactly, you weren't exactly going to be my co-host, but that's okay. <laughs> Things change day to day here at Twin Cities Pride. <laughs> I think Rena and I spend so much time together that it it just was a natural fit. True. I think. So on that note, um, you're going to need to hang on to your unicorns because we'll be right back with Rena, who will fire some rapid questions at me um, yep. about my life, my vision, and who knows what else. I, I did give her free reign. So yes, there's that. And then we'll get to all things Twin Cities Pride and what's new and upcoming. You're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We are back and you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950. I'm your host, Andy Otto, Executive Director of Twin Cities Pride, and joined by my co-host, Rena Heisel. Well, Rena, are you ready for this? I'm sure you've got a I handful have, of questions. I did. I did manage to come up with a few questions for you, um, just so that all of our listeners can get to know Andy Otto, the new Executive Director of Twin Cities Pride. Although I guess you've been at it for a full year now. I know. Did we get to really say that I'm new still? Well, I mean, one year. It was a year. It was a year. Let's it, was put a, it, that way. <laughs> it was a year. It was a huge year of growth and expansion. And I mean, you know, you You've done many things in your life, but you were the. This was your rookie year of 
mm. Pride Executive Director. My rookie year, but my like 16th year. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's get into that now, just so yeah. everybody can kind of get to know Andy a little bit better. Um, Andy, can you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, what you think uh, people should know about Andy Otto? I'm pretty ordinary. No, um, <laughs> no you know, I am um, – yeah, I'm I'm a trans man. I typically say that out first um, just because I think it's important to understand that, um, you know, that's the perspective that I'm typically coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't understand the perspective of all of our community, but I certainly can understand the perspective of that one. So um, I'm a trans man who has two amazing children um, who challenge me every single second of every single day. Um, I've been married to my spouse now who is non-binary and, uh, we've been, well, we've been together for about 15 years, married for eight, I think. Um, but probably when it comes to like this whole situation, I mean, I've been volunteering for pride for the last, well, 15 years. Gosh. Yeah. So it's been a long time. So what um, motivated you first to get involved with Twin Cities Pride? You know, I was looking really for a sense of community. I um, I was younger back then. <laughs> we'll say it that way. Yeah. Um, I was younger back then and I was really looking for, you know, some place to give back and to find community and, and family. Um, I think that's important in our community. Not all of us have, you know. Uh, blood-related family. We have a lot of chosen family. And so when I first uh, looked at the org, uh, it was really about finding that sense of belonging and and family and community and all that fun stuff. So I responded to an ad. This this tells you how long ago. I responded to an ad on Craigslist. Oh, my gosh. I know, right? (laughs) Because I don't think we still do that anymore. That's not really a thing anymore. But I responded to an ad to who the current executive director was. And at at that point in time, we were a working board. So mm-hmm. I was actually um, the director of volunteers and kind of jumped in, not not understanding that, you know, 16, 17-ish years later, uh, here I would be sitting. So, yeah. So uh, you started off working with volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you wore many hats along those 15, 16 years. What made you um, leap for the executive director position? You know, I um, yeah, I had I had a lot of different roles. I um, to help take care of volunteers and the parade, and did some safety and security, and just kind of a lot of different things. And I sat on the board for a while, which is always an important role. But um, I had stepped away from the organization for a couple of years, and there was just kind of a lot going on in the organization, and there was a, kind of a what I saw as a pivot point to kind of turn our brand a little bit differently and do things just a little bit differently than we've done in the past. And so um, when the opportunity kind of came up, I went home that night and started talking to my spouse about all these things that Twin Cities Pride could do. And the reaction out of them was, well, why don't, why don't you go for the position? What's holding you back? And you know, I was kind of at a cool point in my in my life where I was um, not really in a, a job that I loved. Mm-hmm. I was in a job that um, was paying the bills, yeah. if that makes a difference, like a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know you love your job and it's just <laughs> the most amazing thing ever, but yeah. um, not everybody has that opportunity. And I was kind of right. at that point. And so I thought, well... 
um, if I can help the organization because I actually didn't apply for the executive director job right away. I was hesitant. So, yeah, I kind of stood back. But once it kind of progressed, I I decided that that this was something I could do and yeah, and hopefully uh, continue to do it until I run out of ideas. So Twin Cities Pride, uh, the festival in June, there's Family Fun Day, mm-hmm. there's the parade. Um, and Twin Cities Pride is very well attended. Yeah. And you have been to other prides. What is it about Twin Cities Pride that you think is unique or separates it from other states, other regions? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. Um, I, I have, I've attended a lot of different prides. I've actually volunteered for quite a few different prides and, um, what makes us uniquely different. And I, I don't know why this is, I don't know if it's a Minnesota thing or it's, um, just the most amazing humans that live here. But when you walk into that festival Mm -hmm. and you think about last year, we had about 550,000 people uh, attend the festival it's like family, you know, you just, you step in and nobody cares what your name or your title is or who you are, but you're family and you're free yeah. to be yourself and you're free to be authentic and you're free to do, you know, just, just live your most authentic life. And for some reason, walking into Loring Park at that point is, it's just so freeing and so liberating. And, and I think everybody wants to be a part of that, whether or not you're part of the community or you're an ally in the community or even, you know, Corporate, I, I know we'll get into corporate we'll get sponsors. Into the corporate that, sponsors. That, that again yeah. is one of those topics, oh, yeah. right? We'll talk about it. Um, but where they want to be part of it because it is so unique and so special. And we are the largest free festival, which is really important to me and, mm-hmm. and I think the community that we keep it free mm-hmm. um, so that there's never a barrier if someone can attend or not attend. So, yeah, I mean, it's Minnesota is unique and, and we have a pretty amazing. That is actually something that surprised me is how many other larger cities do charge to attend their pride festivals. Yeah. Well, it's really expensive. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what most people don't understand is the the sheer uh, amount of money, unfortunately, it takes to to put on an event that large. Yeah. yeah. Um, Would you be comfortable throwing out some numbers for us just so people can understand maybe why we do? Yeah. Try to have some people come in and, and have sponsorship. So. Yeah, you know, um, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll share. It costs us about one and one point five million to to put on the festival and the other parts of Twin Cities Pride. Yeah, um, and that is up until just this last year, uh, there was only one paid staff member, maybe two at some times, and now we've got six. Um, but. Overall, I mean, it is really expensive to throw a festival that big and making mm-hmm. sure that we're doing the right thing by our community by paying our performers, right? That, right. That's certainly a cost. I had someone ask me, how much does a stage cost? And when I said about $25,000 to build, construct, and pay the performers, I think it actually floored some some folks. Yeah. Um, they think, that sometimes we're just we have a whole lot of money, even though we're a nonprofit, and and we really don't. It really all goes back into the community. Yeah, that is something that I certainly witnessed. That the money, the dollar, the sponsorship dollars come in, but they go, they all go right back into the production of the festival. Yeah, and back into the community, and you family know. fun day, and yep. um, which I suppose goes nicely into the next, my next question for yeah. you, which is growing your vision. 
Yeah. So one of the things um, that you love about the Pride Festival is the sense of community and family. And um, when people get there, there is just this nice vibe of everybody hanging out and acceptance. And you wanted to create more spaces like that for community members, yeah. um, places for young younger mm-hmm. members of the community, older members of the community. Can you talk a little bit about your vision for that and maybe some of the things that have been going on that are yeah. different from it's not just June anymore? It's not just June anymore. And I think, um, you know, my vision sometimes changes on the daily. I, I will <laughs> I will admit to that. Everyone else from the office is nodding their um, heads. Yeah, yeah. I have a tendency to use the term hypothetically, um, when I come into the office, I'll just look at you all and say, okay, so hypothetically, if mm-hmm. we did this, what would be the reaction? Because I think our community has ever changing needs. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I saw why we have had 50 years of awesome festival parade, uh, run family fun day, kind of that stuff, our core, our core group of events. Um, there's such a need that continues to grow. And that's really what, um, I wanted to focus on. So this year we made a big, big change about youth. Mm-hmm. I mean, our youth is under attack. Let's just call it a spade a spade, right? Our youth is under attack and we are currently um, struggling to find spaces where they can be their most authentic self and mm-hmm. yet be protected from sometimes the unfortunate elements that come at them. And so, you know, this year, my my really big focus is on the youth, and I'd like to say going into 2024, that that vision really hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, did our best and realized it wasn't good enough, and so we needed to go better this year. And so we're going to see some things like expanded youth areas and expanded time, and a little bit different of a general focus. But yeah, I really started looking at you know what are we missing. Mm-hmm. I. When we were, when I was applying for this position, one of the questions by another applicant was, well, what do you do the rest of the year? And I I had to chuckle because (laughs) it takes us, okay, like 11 months. Well, we'll call it 10 months because really the month of June and May, um, we are busy putting it all together, but it takes us 10 months to plan and to make sure logistically that we know where all the porta potties go. And, you know, those folks over at Loring Park and the awesome um, Minneapolis Park Board like to change our park a lot. (laughs) Uh, This year we had pickleball courts. Pickleball courts coming in. (laughs) So we're constantly having to change and maneuver things around the park. And so, you know, it's, it's being on the pulse of the community and making mm-hmm. the changes that we need to to address, you know, what the community needs are. It was like this year in the rainbow wardrobe. Yep. Um, and that we realized was a huge need in the community. I think even talk a little bit about what the rainbow wardrobe program is in case any of our listeners aren't aware. Yeah. So um, I saw this at another Pride event and I thought it was really cool. Um, So shout out to St. Cloud Pride because that's actually where I saw it is they had this 10 by 10 tent that had, you know, just kind of a U-shape tables in there and people were putting clothes on there and people who needed them were taking them or saw an awesome shirt that made them feel really great. Mm -hmm. Um, They were taking that and I thought, gosh, you know, we could do that. We could do that for for Twin Cities Pride. And I was talking to Derek, who's one of our amazing volunteers who helps with our vendors and explaining to him. And he was like, oh, that's a great idea. You know, we should do that. And now it's really changed into <laughs> um, 
an all year round thing. It grew dramatically. Instead of a 10 by 10 tent, we ended up in a 20 by 30 tent mm-hmm. um, with clothing. And, and it's really about gender affirming clothing. I mean, if you think about gender, you know, affirming uh, care, it's not just about the medical stuff. It's about what you feel good in and how you, you present yourself and what you're comfortable in and, you know, how you style your hair, what clothes you put on, what shoes you wear, all that stuff is gender affirming care to make you feel really good about yourself and, and help us with our own mental health. And so, um, that program grew. And as we're finding out, you know what, there's a whole lot of need out there for not only folks to be able to go somewhere and get, um, gender affirming clothes, but to not feel judged. I mean, right. I don't know about you, but have you, I've never tried anything on at a retail store. Like I am so anti that. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so that's kind of how yeah. the rainbow wardrobe and now we're, we're learning a couple new things. We're learning about food insecurities in our own community and we're learning about the hygiene, um, the hygiene, hygiene product stuff. Needs. Yeah. People just don't understand that. And I don't think we did either until no. we started getting the feedback from the community. So. Right. And it was such a hit at the festival that, um, mm-hmm. and people were asking at the festival yeah, where this could be, could you access this yeah. in non-festival times? Yeah. So now the pride office down at Loring Park, you can call or email and schedule an appointment to come come in and browse the rainbow wardrobe. Yeah, we um had has the office closed just um a couple weeks prior to the holidays and um I happened to run in because that's where I hide my kids' Christmas presents, right? Because <laughs> as a parent we all know how that goes. Um and I just happened to be there and, you know, two folks walked up and were in need of it. And, you know, we camped it there for about two hours and made sure that they got what they needed, but you know, I'm anybody who who has met me. I will probably give the shirt off my back to somebody who needs it, and um, that's kind of my mission with the whole um, Pride organization. Is we have to give back to our community, and in 2023, I'm happy to report we'll have given about seventy five thousand dollars back into other um, events and other organizations and things like that in the community, which is something we have not done before. I was going to mention or touch on that as well. Um, growing partnerships with other orgs. How mm-hmm. how needed is that in the Twin Cities area? And uh, yeah, is that something? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> so, okay, let's let's just pull the cat out of the bag here. Um, Twin Cities Pride has not always done a great job. Like <laughs> okay. we've kind of sucked at some things, yeah. right? And we've made some mistakes. And I think every org has made some mistakes. In the past, um, but we did some things that didn't make our nonprofit partners feel so great, and I totally respect that and understand mm-hmm. it. And when I came into this position, um, actually one of one of the first things was um, a conversation with Outfront about really the vision of Twin Cities Pride and and why maybe in the past we hadn't done some things that we should have or that the community felt we should have Mm -hmm. and what our vision is going forward. And and so rebuilding those communities, we're often called the land of 10,000 nonprofits, um, (laughs) if you've never heard that. And that is very true in the the community, which is fantastic. But we are better together than we are apart. And Mm -hmm. I think that is my mission. So whether it's out front, transforming families, queer space collective, quorum, you know, the gay men's chorus, like the gay men's chorus and I were the first 
to kind of go after the Timberwolves after things um, kind of happened there with Anthony Edwards. And so, you know, all of these community partners and orgs are so important to band together because, you know what, I'm not great at youth um, houseless folks. I'm not great at that. That's not what Twin Cities Pride does, but Bridging for Youth does an amazing job at that. And so, um, you know, it's those type of things or family tree clinic that's providing care to our community. So if we can band together and kind of create that that vibe of, hey, maybe I don't do it, but I know who does is is priceless for our community. And the the just sheer volume of support that we can give out is incredible. Mm hmm. So um, can you touch upon a little bit, this was your first, your rookie year as Edie, what, were there any challenges that surprised you or any, any particular situation that came across where you just shook your head and thought, this is not something I thought I'd be dealing with? You mean the first lady showing up? <laughs> I mean, that, <laughs> um, that was not expected. Um, it would have not been something that I would have jumped into my first year, but hey, we managed. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very grateful at that point in time of my history with pride and the understanding because I don't know that we would have handled that as well um, as we did had I not had the knowledge and the background and the amazing team behind me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I found out on Wednesday uh, before pride. <laughs> Actually, they didn't even tell me on Wednesday who it was. They told me on Thursday. And who's they? Like, how did that, this whole thing happen? Yeah. So I got this random um call on my phone and it came across as White House. And, you know, if you're like me, I'm like, yep, here's the White House trying to sell me an extended car warranty. Um, And so I hesitantly answered because, like, it's that awkward moment of, like, should I answer this? Should I not answer this? Like, what am I doing? And I answered and um, I knew right away because obviously, um, well, actually up until uh, this afternoon, my legal name is not Andy. And so, um, but when they knew that and they could communicate and it was all this stuff and he just kind of started rapid, rapid firing things at me, um, I was like, oh, okay, I don't know if the, I seriously thought somebody was pranking me. <laughs> the Secret Service was pranking me. It mm-hmm. was 100% going like that. And then on Thursday... Uh, They still wouldn't tell me who. And then on Thursday, they asked me to meet in the park at the Stonewall stage. They just said somebody wants to make an appearance at Pride. Yeah, yeah. Someone from the White House wants to make an appearance at Pride potentially. And we want to kind of walk through the logistics with you on that. And um, can you meet us over by the Stonewall stage? Which, again, was red flags because who at the White House would know that we call that stage the Stonewall stage, let alone where it is, right? Mm -hmm. And so I very hesitantly, you know, put my guard up and walked across the park. And there was a whole lot of Secret Service standing there um, talking to me. And then they finally kind of broke the news that uh, Dr. Biden was wanted to come visit and say hello and meet the crowd. And they had um, knowledge of kind of everything we were doing. And and the aims. Um, anybody else who knows me knows I'm not a quiet voice <laughs> and that I um, speak up and I will not be quiet. And so, yeah, it was it was incredible. I got to say the Secret Service was really fun to work with. Uh, a little intimidating um, <laughs> when they ask for everything and also a little intimidating um, when the First Lady of the United States knows more about you than, than you thought she would. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, it was fantastic. And I 
was a proud moment that I could, my whole entire team, um, with the exception of you, but we won't talk about that. Um, yeah, got to, I know, got to meet the first lady <laughs> and got to just kind of be thanked from someone that high up on everything we do. You know, mm-hmm. I can thank my team a million times in a day, but it means something different coming from the White House. So that was pretty cool. But I did not anticipate that my first year at all. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the theme of your first year, um, just being your assistant, kind of watching how things tend to progress and your use of the word hypothetically, (laughs) um, just as as an example. And and also leading into your whole Pride 365 and trying to give back to the community. Um, We had an idea since we have this brand new office down in the Loring Park area that maybe – we should host a little trunk or treat. <laughs> How and did I know you were going to bring this up? We would just – there's – you know, we've got a few really core key volunteers and then the staff members. Maybe we'd set like 10 cars out in front of our office on our little Harmon Place, cute yeah. little road there yeah. and have a little trunk or treat. Yeah. And I think – did you reach out to the park or somebody just to ask if maybe we could – yeah. Have a food truck or something and then what the heck happened? Well, I was trying to be respectful because what I was originally going to do is it was just going to be kind of the eight of us and then um, the some youth orgs bringing their group of, of kids over to have an experience where, you know, they they didn't have to be judged in what costume they were wearing and they could be free to be themselves. And um, I was going to end up putting meters and I thought, ah, you know, I should probably be a little respectful of the businesses around us and not take up all that space. And so I'd called the parks and said, hey, do you mind if we just kind of slip in the park a little bit and and park our cars <laughs> in there? And, um, you know, we have great partnership with the folks over at Loring Park and um, yeah, without even saying too much. Uh, mm-hmm. We ended up at about 30 cars and about 600 kids, um, <laughs> which was not my mission. And that was very much apparent by the amount of candy that we had and had it having to send out a – Runners to go get yeah, more candy. Yeah. And there was a – gosh, who was it? Somebody brought a giant – we had like a big ambulance. There were yeah. vaccines and boosters for kids. Mm-hmm. I mean it just like ballooned. Yes. We did end up with the food truck, though. Yeah, I mean, and I heard it was, was amazing. There was a food truck um, who was super awesome and did some kids meals and and things like that. But yeah, it was, you know, it was a really great event. It was great for the community down there in Loring mm-hmm. Park and in Minneapolis and to be able to feel like there's a safe space for, for Most folks. Kids and, had so much fun. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. I will still tell you the best costume um, from a family was the Mary Poppins. Like, oh. that was... Yes. Hands down the best. But yeah, we had my mom uh, creating Candyland in the basketball courts and yeah, just had a blast. It just grew and grew. I know. So we'll be back next year with that. Apparently, I'm being told. I think that Uh, people will be upset if that does not happen again. And that was one of the things geared towards the youth. Can you talk a little bit about um, the aging community in the queer Mm -hmm. community and some of the concerns that you have seen and maybe some of the things that we're plotting and planning for the next years for support for our aging community. Yeah, you know, and and that's another one where it's hard. You know, the aging community, we owe them so much respect. I mean, they they were the foundation of our history in the LGBTQ world. And so they had to live through some of the things that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm privileged enough to not have to deal with because of them. And so... 
we really wanted to make sure that we lifted up that community mm-hmm. and recognized the the stuff that they gave to us and the really pathway that they led forward. I mean, if you look at Martha P. Johnson, who was one of the original leaders at Stonewall, who was a, you know, black trans woman right. in in that era. And, you know, like, I'm not sure that I would have had the strength that she had back then. No. Um, they, which is I just incredible. can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. But we know things. We know things about the park that, you know, Loring Park isn't always accessible to those folks. And so we're having to get a little creative about mm-hmm. how we make sure that they feel valued and welcome and honored. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's just some of some of what we need to kind of figure out um, a little bit. We tried to, in this past year, we tried to do a um, kind of senior area, silver space is what we called it. And it didn't really work right. You know, we won't Mm -hmm. get everything right every time. We Just the first uh, try. Yeah, we will make mistakes and we didn't quite do it the best that we could and but we've learned from it and right again it goes back to partnering mm-hmm. um go back to rainbow health rainbow health does an amazing job with our aging community um and it's about the ability to sit down and listen so we'll we'll get it right what that mm-hmm. looks like i'm not 100 percent sure but we'll get there and and focus on on those group of folks that, that right. need it and then there's the creating other social events and spaces outside of june Mm-hmm. Um, Friendsgiving. Yeah. Um, that was another rates. one that blew up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Friends. So Friendsgiving, was that originally just going to be in the office? I think so. And then yeah. what happened there? Oh, oh, oh yeah. that one. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Friendsgiving was just supposed to be like, yeah, some, you know, folks coming into the office and having a little snack and yeah. finding oh. community. And, um, we ended up growing, um, into what well, we call it Mintern, which is uh, Minnesota Trans and Intersex Resource Network. And as we started realizing that there's a lot of folks that are currently in the state that don't have ties to the community, mm-hmm. uh, we decided to make a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and quite honestly, we served about 130 folks um, a full Thanksgiving dinner, thanks to um, Kabomlet, which is an awesome food truck, if you've not uh, known them. They are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think we could have easily done two. I think so. I think that yeah. that's another one that's going to grow huge next year. Friendsgiving, so. there's a huge need for people to have that found family. Um, yeah. And then don't talk too much about it because I know that we, we need to take a break here soon. But when we come back, maybe we could talk a little bit about Mintern um, and yeah. the Trans Refuge Bill, which is another huge thing that just happened to happen during your first year. Yeah, funny how that works. Um, yeah, we we can definitely talk about that, and I think you know that's a that's a good lead into our our next um, episode too, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, I mean, we covered a lot in a short amount of time. But with that being said, uh, we'll be right back to to talk a little bit more, um, and yeah, we'll see where we go from there. So you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM nine fifty, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hello, everybody. 
everybody, and we are back. You are listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950. I'm your co-host, Rena Heisel, along with Andy Otto, the executive director of Twin Cities Pride. And um, Andy, earlier you had mentioned giving our listeners some ideas on what uh, they can do in the community. Do you want to share some of those things for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. I think you... Um you kind of touched on something as as we were uh, taking a break there right before we took a break, and that's uh, the Minnesota Trans Refuge Bill mm-hmm. um, that kind of came about last year in the legislative um, session, which basically says if you are trans here in Minnesota that you are protected mm-hmm. and you can access the care that you need. Um, one of the things that didn't happen with that bill, though, is we didn't get funding. Right. So, yeah, we have an awesome group of just about every single LGBTQ nonprofit uh, came together. And we're just trying to navigate the waters of making sure that mm-hmm. these families that are moving up here get the help that they need. And so, um, you know, most people don't realize and, and I can't I, like, honestly, I can't believe I've heard people say this. Like Twin Cities Pride is a 501c3. Like we are a nonprofit. Mm hmm. We don't have a lot of money. No, no. Typical nonprofits, small nonprofits. I think people see the size of the festival. They see the run. They see these things and they think that there's there's money to be made there. But that's not what the organization is about. It's it's about Uh providing these spaces. And that is where all the money goes. And then it's gone. Yeah. So, you know, one of the first things, uh, you know, if somebody wants to reach out to help um, donating Donating Mm -hmm. to Twin Cities Pride allows us to keep these um, programs up and running. It allows us to keep the office open and the the rainbow wardrobe Mm -hmm. um, open and going and helps fund the community. I mean, this we were able to help POC Pride this year, Golden Valley, Bloomington. Um, There's lots of different Marshall. Marshall, Minnesota has Pride too. So we are able to do all these things with amazing donations from. Mm you know, our supporters here in the community and, and our sponsors and things like that. So, you know, if, if you're able, um, and willing, making a donation to Twin Cities Pride is always a great, um, way to support the community. Uh, you can find that on tcpride.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a donate button down there. One of the cool things is you can set up a monthly donation. You can also round up your change. I don't know if you've ever done that, but it's actually mind blowing, mm-hmm. um, how much you don't even really notice when they round that 95 cents up to a dollar. Yes, so, yes. yeah, so that's one thing. Um, but, you know, not everybody's fortunate enough to have that uh, disposable income. And mm-hmm. so um, you mentioned this a little bit that we, you know, we're kind of a small staff. We only have six of us in the right. office and we have about a staff of about 25 to 30 year round volunteers. Um, and then about 300 during uh, the Pride Festival weekend. And so if you want to find a sense of community, you want to give back to the community mm-hmm. in a way that you can, volunteering is always an yes. amazing thing to do. And I will preface that with a little bit of caveat that once you start volunteering, you typically can't get out from volunteering. <laughs> uh, we suck you in because you just have so much fun that we don't ever let you go. Well, um, you see people come in to volunteer and then they're making friends and connections. And it's just, I mean, it's a fun place to be. So volunteering, mm-hmm. uh, it is fulfilling as a staff member to watch just because you see people, they make friendships. But you also get that feeling of 
helping the community and doing something important. And there is seriously something for everybody as far as volunteering. Mm-hmm. I mean, from helping at the Friendsgiving dinner to at the festival working at an info booth or just helping um, our amazing logistics director, Corey. Yeah. Well, you know, and that kind of ironically, um, out of our six staff, three of us started out as volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, our director of programming, Kelsey, and our uh, finance manager, uh, Kara, started yeah. out as volunteers in the community. So, you know, that is an it's a great way mm-hmm. to um, see what we're all about invested. If you had any questions, I mean, you literally get get thrown into all of it, uh, Twin Cities Pride, when mm-hmm. you volunteer. So lots of great opportunities. That one, um, you know, tugs at my heartstrings because that's what I started out doing when mm-hmm. I was um, first started with Twin Cities Pride. And our volunteers are the most amazing people on the planet. And I have said this from the get-go. I would put my staff and my volunteers up against anybody, staff and volunteers in this planet, because we are nothing but motivated and determined to make things right and great for our community. So mm-hmm. um, volunteering is is a great way. And don't feel like you got to be part of the community to volunteer. I think we have so many allies who come out and uh, volunteer because, you know, they want those in our community to be able to celebrate. Right. Um, which is fantastic. In fact, we have an Ally of the Year award that we give out every year to those folks who stand up and stand proud. And and uh, that's a really hard decision on, oh, that, on that award um, super hard. each and every year. And yes. so, you know, we look at, oh, gosh, we could look at hundreds of people on that mm-hmm. one. So, yeah. And, you know, I would say the other part of if, if you're not, you know, can't jump in financially, can't jump in with time. Be a good ally outside of of the festival. Um, there's an old saying when you talk about integrity. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, doing the right thing when nobody is looking. And I say that about allies. It's oh. about being an ally when nobody's looking. It's being an ally when people are, you know, maybe someone in the community isn't standing next to you, but you hear someone saying something that is harmful to the community. Mm-hmm. It's about speaking up in that moment. It's about being a safe place for, you know, a, a child right. to express who they are and be who they are authentically. I was telling my mom the other day that something as simple as wearing a rainbow pin on her jacket lets those around her know that she's a safe space and that, you know, if they're not comfortable in a situation or they just, you know, want to be reminded that somebody cares and that somebody's their ally in the corner, that that's a great way to do it um, is to just kind of put in, you know, be proud of your allyship all exactly. year round. So, yeah. So, that, you know, I would say out of the things that I would highly encourage people to think about doing mm-hmm. um, and taking that action. It doesn't do us any good to sit back and be quiet, um, especially as we're leading into 2024 and the current um, climate. Climate. <laughs> we'll just call it they that, are. climate. Yes. And, and we're not talking about the climate of no snow in Minnesota in December. We're talking about, <laughs> you know. The the cultural climate that's out there right now. Right, so, right. Yeah. I mean, and Minnesota is considered a safer state to be in. And yet yeah. we even still here have a lot of work to do. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And okay, so if somebody is interested in volunteering, what should they do? Yeah, you go over to tcpride.org. Okay. Um that there's lots of opportunities on there if you want to shoot out an email, you can certainly shoot it over to um info at tcpride.org. Um that'll make sure that it gets to the right person as well. Um but yeah, tcpride.org has a lot of our information on it and we try to keep that updated as much as we possibly can. Okay. Um, uh, going forward. Yeah. Um, the other thing I will say is if you think of something that you want us to talk about here on this show, you know, email amplify at tcpride.org and, you know, Rena and I will go through, um, each of those submissions and kind of look and, and potentially reach back out because, you know, there's stuff that we don't even know that right. I don't see that's going right. on. Um, in the community. And so I highly recommend that. Right. We want this hour to, I mean, this hour belongs to the community. 100%. We want to talk about the things that you all want to be talked about. So yeah, make sure to let us know. For sure. You know, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but just like that, we are like we are out of time. We've oh talked gosh. for an hour now. <laughs> um, but, you know, thank you to everybody for joining our very first episode of Twin Cities Pride Amplified. Thank you so much to my co-host, Rena for kicking off things with me. Uh, we'll be back next Saturday afternoon at 3 right here on AM 950 to discuss huge topics in the queer community. Um like what to expect in this year's legislative session coming Ooh, yeah, up. That'll and be a big one. We'll hopefully have our, our great friend um, over at Outfront, mm-hmm. uh, Kat Ronan, the executive director, to talk about all that stuff. She knows far more than I do, so we're going to leave that <laughs> up to her. But, you know, join us next Saturday. We'll be here. Please take care of each other. Lots of love and pride. Thanks for joining us here on AM 950, Minnesota's Progressive Voice. Oh!